Welcome back to the Win Big Podcast. This is Tyler here with Stephen and Zane. Thank you for your continued listening support. Please subscribe to Spotify, Apple, and Google. With us tonight is Heath Autry, head baseball coach at Corsicana High School. Heath, what's going on, man? Um, not much, man. Just appreciate the opportunity to visit with you guys and talk a little bit about baseball in the mental game. Yes, sir. Well, uh, but how's uh, how's your season working out so far? Uh, we're we're playing pretty well. Uh, we're something like 15, 16, and three. Um, That's pretty decent. <laughs> So we're we're playing we're playing pretty good baseball. We won two big games last week. We got another big one tomorrow. So uh, um, busy week this week, and you know our district's a tough district. So um, every game's kind of big. So this week uh, it's going to be another presents us more challenges, I guess I, you could say. Yes, sir. Uh, now, of course, Ken is at two A, three A, five. No, it's, we're five A. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So, so yeah, how much I know. Yeah, what was it Friday? Was it Friday night? Tried a big one against Joshua, like two to one, eight innings or something like that. Yeah, Friday two to one, eight <laughs> innings, and and Tuesday two to one. Oh wow! Yeah, two two to one ball game. So uh, um, Joshua is one of the best hitting teams that I've seen in a long time, and uh, we 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 actually pitched really well and played really good defense. So it was a good week. And that's awesome. Well, he kind of. Kind of walk us through your baseball journey a little bit. I know you're kind of a, a lifelong baseball guy, and um, just kind of walk us through your journey, kind of how you got to uh, where you're at today. Well, I, it's kind of long story, well, but we can shorten it down. I love it. <laughs> well, um, I, I played at Waxhachie High School under Bill Midkiff and uh, went on to play uh, junior college baseball at Vernon Junior College for Danny Watkins, who's now a, a Boston Red Sox scout in the Atlanta area. And uh, left there and went to uh, UT Pan American and played for the legendary coach Al Ogletree um, down at Edinburgh. And uh, after that, I, I started my coaching career there in Edinburgh. Came to Navarro College with my best friend Skip Johnson, and and then just kind of just blossomed from there. I guess you would say. Yes, sir. But uh, I've been in Corsicana for 11 years, and uh, we've had a lot of success here. Um, We've been blessed with great administration and and great support from the community. And um, we've put together some pretty good uh, seasons here over 11 years and and, um, had had built some really solid relationships within the community here and and with the players and and been blessed to coach a lot of players uh, that could play the game and that love the game and love the details that the game demands of us uh, on a daily basis. And so... That's where I'm at. You know, uh, my wife Whitney and I have six kids here, and we have five kids in the school district. And uh, uh, Hunter, our oldest son, is playing at Sam Houston State University. And we have Bradley, who's a senior, that's the starting second baseman on my team. Um, And then we just have kids in every grade. (laughs) Yeah, you got six, I'm sure, spread out across there. Yeah, our youngest is Easton in eighth grade. And uh, so uh, we stay pretty busy, to say the least. You're keeping course can of five, eh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if not six days. Yeah. I, I have five kids, so I can say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. So, um, yeah, so that's 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 just where we're at today. I've coached a lot of summer baseball, um, 20-something years. Um, coached a lot of really good players in the summer and really enjoy passing on uh, what my mentors have taught me um, in the summer and, and kind of standing out being different, not just sitting on a bucket and letting them play just – really teaching the game and teaching the intricate parts of the game that that will help them separate themselves when it comes down to it um 
in performance and not only not only in performance but um as young men too so i take a lot of pride in that yeah that's awesome hey i backtrack a little bit what year did you graduate waxhatchee uh 1992 okay so you're a little older i had my cousin graduated from waxhatchee in 99 so i was just curious oh that's cool yeah so uh Yeah, 1992, played for Coach Mickens. I got to play two years. I grew up in Stephenville, Texas, and, and moved back there to play baseball because, as, as everyone knows, Stephenville is a football town. So uh, I moved here <laughs> and got to play for Coach Mickiff. He's a Hall of Fame coach in our in our high school coaches association. Uh, he's like another dad to me, another father. And and we were 50 and 10 my two years there. It's kind of where I learned how to how to win and, and what it takes to win. And I give a lot of credit to Coach McGiff. And that's awesome. Um, tell us about your time with Skip. You know, um, yeah. I actually was watching the game the other day. That they made a big deal of him having to go out and coach first base after one of his coaches <laughs> got ejected. Yeah, that's when his first time to coach first base. I coached third base here for him, and he coached first base uh, back in the day when we only had two coaches anyway. So, right. Uh, Skip is a phenomenal uh, – not just a phenomenal coach, but – He's such a phenomenal man and, and a man of principle and and just a leader and with a big heart that loves his players. And I learned so much from Skip. I still do. We talk daily. And, and uh, you know, he's he's like a, another brother to me. And, and uh, I mean, I can't say enough, enough great things about Skip Johnson. When it comes to the game of baseball, he's one of the best ambas- ambassadors there are in, 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 the, in the world, in my opinion, much less uh, – in the United States or in Division One baseball, but Skip's just a, uh, one of the best teachers I've ever seen, and and not just of pitching. I mean, he's known for pitching with working with you know multiple big leaguers and Clayton Kershaw and Homer Bailey and all those guys. But more importantly, um, just his heart. And anybody who's played for Skip knows exactly what I'm saying. I mean, he's he um, he taught me a lot about um, how to treat people and. If you play for him uh, and you do right by him, I mean, he's so loyal and and just such a good man, and, and he'll always be there for all of his players. So, you know, speaking on speaking on the behalf of all the players, they know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. I, I love how you keep saying teaching, too. Like, I, I coached high school ball for five years in a small town in East Texas, and it was – that was one – one guy that I, I I worked under, and he was just like, "You're not coaching these kids; you're teaching them." And I, yeah. that, that always stuck with me because you know, you always think, "Oh, coaches, coach." No, we're we're teaching them the game, um, the mental part, the physical part, but we're also teaching them life too. Like how you keep saying teaching, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there you know, and 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 being a head coach, there's several phases. I mean, there's there's you know the practice phase managing practices and there's manage being a game manager you have to be able to manage games and and then you you know 90 percent of our job is off the field stuff you know just you know fundraising and and uh community service and and making sure that the guys are doing what's right in school and and then managing personalities and and so you know skips skips really phenomenal at that and and um, I was just blessed to, to spend a few years with him and and to call him my best friend since basically, you know, I guess around 1998. So, uh, you know, we, we consider ourselves teachers and uh, we teach the game of baseball. And, and really our ultimate goal is just to educate, empower, and inspire others to, to be the best version of themselves both on and off the field. 
So I can speak for Skip on that because I know where his heart is and and um, I know exactly uh, what his mission is every day he walks into that office. Yes, sir. That's that's fantastic, man. So your time at Navarro, was about was that the time that maybe uh, Chris Davis was in there? He was right after me. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he came in. He came in. He actually played for me in the summer. Um, he was on my first summer team, um, and uh, he came in around 2001. Okay. Um, but Chris is a Chris is a fine young man and had a great career and uh, couldn't be couldn't be more proud to, uh, to to say I know him and 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 I know what kind of person he is as well. I mean, he he's given a lot to the game of baseball. And to the community, especially up in Baltimore at the hospital and, and here in the Metroplex. And Chris is a fine man, fine young man with a great family. Yes, sir. I was, I was more speaking on the, I want to, I made it, I'm glad you added that because everybody, you know, not everybody knows that part about him. Um, I've, I've got to meet him a few times and throw batting practice to him. And, you know, he went in one day, he was waiting on uh, Cool Ball to get there and they were going to hit it with uh, Cool Ball up in Grapevine. Uh, in the winter and I threw around to him and he went out to his truck and came back and like came back and just threw a glove at me said here you go bud thanks you know like yeah he uh but I was one you know I've only heard folklore about some of the balls he's hit at Navarro uh, <laughs> ended up on, on top of Atwoods or whatever so. yeah there's no doubt I saw him but you know what's crazy is he's not even the best player that played there a kid named Brian Cole who who uh uh, was from Meridian, Mississippi, that uh, was a, was drafted out of high school by the Detroit Tigers, came to Navarro College to play football, um, was signed um, by the New York Mets out of Navarro in, in 1990, the spring of 1998. And uh, he was the Mets' number one prospect, and uh, he died in a car wreck, tragically. Mm. And uh, I think... Uh, I've heard that story. Yeah, what's crazy is, is uh, I mean, that happened a couple of weeks ago. It was 18 years. I mean, it's just yeah, crazy. That popped uh, up on Facebook the other day. Yeah, yeah. I named my son after him. Um, yeah, he's he's the best player I've ever coached and ever will coach. There's gonna be no, there'll never be anybody else like Brian Cole. What a special, what a special talent. What a great person. I miss his smile. Um, just a phenomenal family. Um, all four of his brothers played professional baseball. And he was going to be the first one to play in the big leagues, and uh, uh, just a, just a, a real tragedy. I have his bats in my room. Uh, I have our I have his picture right above my computer in my office. There's not a day go by that I don't think about Brian and his family. Yeah, yeah that's uh, life. <laughs> that goes back. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. I can't even fathom that man. That's mm -hmm. a that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, well, man, what? Um, well, just speak a little bit on your time with uh, with Brian Kane and the impact that that's had on your life, and how you've implement implemented that not only into your daily life but in the daily life of your student athletes, and how that's just kind of bled over and just completely changed um, the culture there at uh, Corsicana, and just for you in general. I mean. Uh... I just got off of a, of a, a big call with Brian, a bunch of coaches. And uh, I met Brian when I was a volunteer at TCU with Coach Sloss Nagel. And, and when I took a high school coaching job, he was the first person I called. And I was the second coach in Texas to to use Brian Kane's stuff. The first guy was Rick Lynch down in Tomball. He, he recently passed away last year. Um, but 
I've been using Brian's stuff since 2009. I've been with him since day one. Uh, it's, you know, what I was searching for at that time was a way to relate to the more com- the the common day player, the today's baseball player. I did there. I just felt there was a disconnect because one of the first things you learn when you're coaching is that none of the kids care about it as much as you do. And, and so you, you kind of, you question your relevance at times. And, and what Brian brought to me was a systematic approach of teaching the mental game of baseball. But when you really look at it, it's the mental game of life. And it's the things that it's the eternal values and the eternal lessons that these players can carry with them uh, for the rest of their lives. And, and Brian totally transformed the way I think I went from being a transactional coach to a transformational. I went from focusing on wins and losses to focusing on the process of teaching the game of baseball and not only teaching the game of baseball, but teaching the, our kids the way to respond um, to adversity uh, that the game throws at us and life throws at us. And uh, 2019, um, I went through a battle with throat cancer um, that, I mean, words don't put in to uh, – Words can't do any justice of, of what anybody that goes through cancer has to deal with um, from the mental side of it. Uh, you, you feel guilt from, for bringing your family into it. And, and my, my wife, Whitney, uh, she just completely helped me all the way through it. But you, you go through guilt and you go through times where you feel bad for, for everybody around you, for dragging them into it. But what, Brian, what, what I really learned was, Everything that I taught my players since since working with Kane in 2009 was exactly what got me through 37 days or 30-something 30, 30 days of not eating. Um, the chemo treatments, the radiation treatments, um, the weeks after treatment, which are the hardest weeks. Um, you know, we were – it's funny how God works. You know, we were in 2019. It was the first time in – since 1958, that course, Canada had played in the state tournament. Uh, we're the only Title I school to ever play in the state tournament in 5A. Wow. Uh, we, uh, it, it was just one of these years. I mean, our son had committed to play Division One baseball. Our oldest son, uh, all our other kids were having a tremendous amount of, of success in school. Um, our home life, everything's great. Uh, and then, bam, you know, uh, God hits me with this in the middle of our season. And, uh, you know, I didn't say anything to anybody, and then we kept winning and kept winning and kept winning and kept winning. And and anyways, right after the season was over, I ended up having surgery and then starting treatments. But but the lessons that that Brian brought to the table for me to teach my players is exactly what got me um, through those tough times. And uh, it's pretty cool um, to see the correlation between – uh, baseball in life because being a lifelong baseball guy we always know that baseball is a lot like life but when you get hit with adversity like that that's when you really learn you learn things like what you're you know you really need to know why we do what we do why and 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 as coaches um we go through a lot we go through you know we get beat up every day um because in reality coaching is the last thing we get to do and by the time it's time to practice you're exhausted from from whether you're teaching school or, or you're dealing with, uh, you know, kids and, and their issues or whatever it is, um, baseball is the last thing we get to do. And, and you have to be able to know the first and foremost why we do what we do. Um, you have to have clarity of mission. 
um, and making sure that you're that that you have the energy to to pass on what you're really passionate about to your players by the time you get on the practice field. Yeah, you know, I've I've gone through the the NPM and everything like that, and um, man, I can't I'll speak on what you're talking about. I mean that I've never gone through something kind of like what you're talking about, like transformational that just immediately impacted my life and how I thought about things and how I went through things. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, when we all look back, when we, when we look at things, when we look at adversity, you know, Kane talks about getting turned on, not turned off, you know, and, and he really points out the, the difference between the elite mindset and the average mindset. And, and, when it comes down to the elite mindset, it's just about thinking differently and not giving in to average, not giving in to being mediocre, not giving in to what we call it. I call it it. Like it is that negative voice in your head that we all have. We're all human beings. We all have the urge to be average. We all have the urge to be mediocre at times. But if you have a process, a personal process in a line and, 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 and you have it all lined out, um, that helps you get through every day when without a process, without, without a plan, um, you're kind of just, you know, just existing. And, and I think most of society to be truthful is just existing. And, and when you have your reasons and you have your purpose and you know why you do what you do, um, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier to get through each day and to come home and look yourself in the mirror and know that, you know, you're a man of principle and not preference. I just, I, you know, love that. Kane talks about Victor Belfort, who's a, in the UFC. You know, he's trained a lot of UFC fighters. And he asked him one time, he said, Victor, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started fighting? And Victor said, the difference between being preference-based and principle-based. Mm-hmm. And that's going from being a man, a boy. A boy is preference-based. A boy does what he feels like doing. And a man is principle based and he knows he does what he has to do. And that lesson that, that when he said that, and that really hit home with me. And so that's the whole basis of how we try to overachieve here at Corsicana and we've been successful at it, is that we we want to get our guys to transition from being a boy, being preference based to being a young man and doing what he knows is right and what they know that they need to do when they need to do it goes back to the, I love that, the know your why. Oh, absolutely. That's the very first thing. You know, I believe, I believe we have to engage their hearts, which is find out their why, find out their reasons. And we have to equip their minds with the, with the skills to, to, to you know, battle through uh, it and media mediocrity and accepting average. And then, and then we have to encourage them daily because without encouragement, you know, it, you know, you know, Pete Rose said, "Baseball is a game of peaks and valleys. When you're on your peak, don't let your va- don't get too high because the valley's coming." Yes, sir. And mm-hmm. it's the same, same thing. Is, same thing is life, you know. And and you know, when we're coaching young men, we know they're gonna they're gonna make bad choices and they're gonna do things that that are in alignment with their goals. But but as coaches and leaders and mentors, we're kind of like a personal GPS system for them. When they get off track, we just got to help them, you know, beep, beep, get right back on track. And that's what they're – when we help them with their mission and their vision and their principles, that is their GPS system. That's their own GPS system in their body that when they know and they have awareness that they're getting off track, 
you know, it, it goes beep, beep, and then and get you right back on track. And that's all we are as mentors and leaders, in my opinion, is, is we're like a GPS system. We just need to guide them to get them to where they want to be and, and to ultimately be the best version of themselves. Absolutely. And, and having that plan in place and having a vision because being mediocre, being average is so easy, but being huh. elite is so it's so hard. It's so exhausting, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you see it on a day to day basis. I mean, it is exhausting to make sure whether it's you being one hundred percent all in on everything you do at practice, or the kids the same way, or you don't know how they what they woke up to, what they're going to bed to. Um, but having that having that vision, having having the mindset to do that because because being hey being good is exhausting. Absolutely, and I and I think. You know, I'm glad you said that because I, in, in my presentation earlier, I talked about it briefly, but being elite is not on sale at Walmart. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's right. Hey, it no. ain't. <laughs> you have to earn it every day. You can't just, you can't just push a button and say, I'm elite. You know, and it's not like you're trying to be an elitist. It's just, it, it's just, we want to work to separate ourselves from others. We want to work daily to, to, to stand out and not just to, for self-glorification, but for a bigger cause, you know, for, for the mm-hmm. team, for, for the people around you. And it all starts with clarity of mission. I mean, you, like you said, we have to find a why and clarity equals focus. It's one of the biggest things I talk about with my players. Coach Matt Deggs is a close friend of mine at Lafayette and he talks about it all the time. Clarity equals focus. And without clarity, no one knows where you're going. And so in, in reality, lack of clarity in the moment of truth will actually make a coward out of you because no one will understand the mission. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to establish your mission and be very clear on a day-to-day basis. And you want to know, you know who you are and know where you want to go and then know how you're going to get there. And that how is very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that, dude. So I have a question for you because we, you know, being a high school coach and now I'm kind of back in the youth game and coaching my younger ones what are some things that coaching, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve year olds that that you would you would possibly hang your hat on if you were well, I guess you probably have kids around that age, but some things you'd hang your hat on for to to teach them? Well, I kinda have two sides of this. I have the coach okay. side, I have the dad side. Perfect. Uh, I've coached uh, some very successful teams at some younger ages and looking back on it. Uh, I would do a lot of things different. Um, we were very successful, but um, I think number one is that we have to have fun. You got to make the game fun for them. It's not a job. It's not a responsibility. It's something that when they when the bell rings at that last class at school, they should be running and jumping in your truck, going, "Hey, Dad, can we play catch? Dad, can we hit? Dad, can we take ground balls? Dad, do we have practice today?" And if you can do that first and you create that curiosity and you and curiosity is so powerful because they should be the young kids should be curious about the game of baseball and trying to learn the details of it. And I think second is that you teach the details of it and but they need to know that it's OK. I mean, baseball is so hard to play. It's it's it's, it's such a cruel game. Coach Greedo. Was a, when Skip was at Texas, I got to know him, and I had so many great conversations with him, and and he taught me so much about not not so much just about baseball, but the thought process behind it. But baseball is so cruel, and and 
I would protect my kids a little bit more at that age, looking back on it. I, I wanted to expose them to the best competition. I wanted to expose them to so many things. But looking back on it, uh, you don't have to be in a hurry. You know, let just kind of let it let it happen. And and uh, I, you know, I, it, it, to be honest with you, it damaged my relationship with my oldest son for a long time because I was so hard for, on him about the details. I was so hard on him about the work ethic that it took that or that it takes to be successful in this game that I kind of pushed him away for a while and about 14 years old, I had to step back. And when I stepped back, that's when I realized, um, Hey, no matter what you know about baseball or no matter who we are, if you play in the big leagues, if you're Chris Davis or if you're anybody that, you know, that plays in the big leagues, it doesn't matter who we are, what we've done. It has to be the kid's idea. The kid has to love it, and the kid has to be curious about it, and the kid has to be passionate about it. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if that totally answers your question, but my advice would be have fun, teach the details, and let them play. Oh, no, you know, I, I, that was the perfect answer because I have, I have a 13-year-old son, and, heck, he started playing tournaments when he was freaking five, six years old. And I look back with my nine-year-old now, I'm like, eh, it wasn't that serious. Like it, yeah. like just slow it down, teach him the game, um, you know, kind of, kind of allowing him to kind of go at his own pace. Where I think with the older one, I, I for, I didn't force it because he wanted to play. He still loves the game, but I think I forced some stuff on him as far as just playing so much so early, this, that, and the other. And then of course he got to middle school this year and fell in love with football and stuff like that, which has helped slow things down and kind of. Again, put it, it put everything in perspective with him, but with my nine year old, I'm like, yeah, we'll just kind of take it easy and go at his pace because at the end of the day, yeah, I found out that it's it's not as serious as I thought it was one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we're you know, as young fathers, we we all make mistakes, you know. And um, man, when when Hunter graduated high school last year, uh, you know, as a coach for years, I didn't have as much empathy or understanding of the emotions that comes with, uh, you know, a kid leaving the house, uh, a kid being in high school, um, you know, and I, I, I didn't have the, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't soft yet. I, I've become softer since I realized that as a young father, or as a parent, you know, our, all our kids make mistakes and, and the, how fast time truly flies by. I mean, my dad told me that so many times growing up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, now we have another senior this year. Uh, he's having a good season. Um, you know, we've got one graduating in the next five years. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm way more empathetic and understanding of, of, the, of the whole process of raising teenagers now. And, and as a coach before, I was, I was so demanding and my expectations were so high, not only for my own kid, but for all my other kids that, my players that sometimes I realize now that uh, I could have handled things a lot differently. And I guess that's where wisdom comes from is just experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've got a, you know, Tyler and I's kids are, are his youngest one, younger one, you know, mine are about the same age. And, you know, I've had that epiphany moment. I, you know, I sat there and told myself, it's like, I'm, I'm going to do this different. You know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be that dad that yells. And of course the first thing that happened, you know, <laughs> you, you know, and but then I just I had that epiphany moment, and it was like, like he doesn't need me to tell him that he needed to catch that ball, and it's not like he wasn't trying to. Or, hey, you know, like he doesn't need me to tell him, you know, hey, 
talk about the strikeout. Like it's not like he went up there trying to strike out, you know, like, you know? And so I've, this has been probably just in the last year, you know, probably going through Kane's deal. was probably the, the best thing that's happened to me, you know, not only as a, as a coach, but as far as a father as well and how I approached and how I approach those things. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's no doubt. You're 100% correct. I mean, you know, I, with my youngest, Easton, who is a really good player, I've totally taken a backseat and actually want him to be coached by other people and want him to to get away. It's, it's funny how when you have multiple kids, how their personalities are so different. Coming, you know, everybody, they're, they're, I mean, we have six kids and they're all completely different. Um, but Easton is a tremendously hard worker and he's really hard on himself. He's a perfectionist where Hunter, my oldest, our, our oldest one is more aloof, more laid back, uh, kind of relaxed, um, you know, not, not uptight, which is, those are all great qualities in the game of baseball. Um, but with Easton, I've taken kind of the approach of, uh, letting it be his idea. If you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's my kid right there. Um, you know he's 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 about, he's about to be nine, but he is so hard on himself. You know, and like he wants to be perfect. I was like, I'm not. I don't don't do it. You know, like I, I appreciate the fact that you want to do it right, but I don't expect that every time, man. Like don't don't think that I'm gonna jump your butt just because you didn't hit that ball the way that you wanted to. Like I'm not expecting perfection from you. But yeah, he'll. Yeah, and, uh, I think I think you know looking back also. I think as parents, um, if I could give any advice to all the select parents up here in the Metroplex or anywhere in the, in the country is, you know, celebrate the, the eternal values, celebrate uh, the hustle, celebrate, um, you know, reward and celebrate showing up early and putting extra work in, staying late, putting extra work in, you know, celebrate being a good teammate, all those things that are going to help them when they're a father one day, when they're, when they're out in the workforce, when they're, you know, those are the type of things that separate everybody now because, you know, not, not a lot of people want to work hard anymore, you know, and I coach players that they, they, they want to win championships, but they don't want to show up and and do what, what it takes to win championships. And so I think as, as parents, we need to at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, encourage and celebrate, the things that are going to make them not only be successful in baseball, but in life, it's not about how many hits you get or how many innings you pitched or how many strikeouts. It's about the effort. It's about the attitude. It's about the controllables. You know, you, you know, it's, 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 it's about the body language. It's about all those things. And yeah, you absolutely. celebrate that early age by the time they're 15 or 16, then they're going to be okay. Yeah. I had a proud, a proud dad moment a couple of weekends ago. Um, you know, my son had a pretty good weekend at the plate. I mean, he, he mashed a couple balls. But the thing that made me the most proud, and I told him this, and luckily it was like the night before, I think we were fortunate enough, got one of the Vanderbilt games on TV. And, you know, I, they had manufactured a run. And I told him, I was like, watch these guys come out of the dugout. Like they celebrated every single run, you know, like some guy just hit a walk-off. And and I told him just to really take notice of like their, their team and just the atmosphere that, you know, Corbin's created there in this like the team. Um, think this at bat. I think maybe he popped up to the infield or something like that. Went back in the dugout, you know, put his helmet down, put his batting gloves on, and then you know, a few batters later, a run scored, and he was the first one out of the dugout to congratulate the kid. You know, yeah, that, and that's, I was like, that's, man, 
I had dad, almost a dad tear, you know, like yeah. I was really, really proud of him because he's, he's that kid that like, he, like I said, he's still young. He's still eight. Um, you know, he gets down on himself and, you know, he kind of gets a little pouty sometimes. And, but that was a, a real, you know, turning moment, I feel like. And I was just extremely proud. Yeah, to absolutely. See that. One, of, one of the biggest challenges that uh, the game throws at us is, is being able to take away those, you know, emotions and take your feelings out of what just happened and, and to get back into the next pitch. I mean, the most important pitch in baseball is the next pitch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I love you, that. Can hit a, you could hit a home run. You could strike the side out. And, and sure, you need to enjoy that for a second. Or, or you could strike out. You, you need to reflect on that for a second. But the challenge is, is how do I remove my emotions and feelings away from what just happened and get back into the next pitch and be in the next pitch with my teammates? I got a question. I, I want to get in. I want to talk about your culture in specific, you know, specifically there at Corsicana. And, how, you know, what are your feelings? I kind of feel like maybe you, you might be a little bit on the, the old school what are your thoughts on some of these guys with the, um, you know, the, the pimp job home runs, the bat flips, um, and how, you know, people retaliate, you know, vice versa, you know, guys striking out and, you know, pitchers, you know, celebrating batters celebrating. What's your, what's your thoughts on these? Well, I mean, to me, the definition of culture is leadership on a daily basis. And, you know, culture is such a common word like process in the coaching world these days. And, and you know, I think culture comes from 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 love. Uh, I think love is, is a foundation of culture. I think, you know, the players have to love each other. They have to love the game of baseball. The coaches have to love the players and and, you know, take away take away all the stuff that the game throws at us. And, you know, you want to cultivate an atmosphere of family and trust. I mean, you're not as a coach, as a head coach of the successful program, not everybody's going to like you, you know, there, somebody's mad that their, their kid ain't playing. Um, you know, somebody's, you know, whatever it is, you're not, you know, my high school coach told me you want to make everybody happy. Go sell ice cream. Right. <laughs> That's only been said. You on know, a few but, times. But, yeah. but the people on the inside of our program, they know what we're really about, you know, and, and, I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's about, it's a, well, first of all, it's about respecting the game of baseball and, and, and we, we, we work hard daily on being, um, on creating and being the best version of ourselves that we can be. And you're not always going to be good. You're not always going to have success. Um, but as long as, as, as you work hard to be the best version that you could be of yourself, that's, that's really when you look in the mirror, that's all I say, but you know, yes, I am old school when it comes to the bat flips and stuff. You know, uh, I think that that it's all. I think you know, people say the game's changing. And I think I think I agree with that. I think some of it's good and some of it's bad. I think that baseball needs a little bit of excitement, a little bit of character, because the way people's minds are these days, they think baseball is more boring. I mean, a lot of people have always said that, but they don't they don't see the intricate parts of the game that we see. Um, but I believe in respecting the game of baseball. I, I believe the game knows. And so when you flip the bat, uh, when you, when you disrespect it, um, it might not get you back 
that game, but it's going to get you back pretty soon. Kind of like and that, so, that kid for Houston. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for the people for the people that don't know. Yeah, so, that was the that was about uh, that. You know, my son was in a dugout. They were playing Houston that night. Oh so, wow! Okay. And uh, you know, and uh, you know, Hunter sent me a video or whatever, and I'm like, well, I've seen you flip a bat higher than that. I didn't think that bat flip was that bad. But I didn't, we, you know, when you're watching TV, you don't see all the other things that are going on and all, all the right, antics. All the, the chirping and, and stuff. Yeah, and I know Coach, I know Todd Winning really well. I know, I know who he is as a man. I know what he stands for. And but uh, you know, I think there was a lot more to it than just that bat flip. Oh, absolutely, but I'm more so that the kid, you know, pimped that home run and separated his shoulder when he fell down. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of like what you're saying. The 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 baseball gods will they'll retaliate when they're good and ready. That, that was there, just that was just swift right there. <laughs> there's no doubt. <laughs> so, what would you? How would you define what the difference is between the separation between winning programs and other programs? Well, is it I, is it culture? I think culture is a huge part of it, but um, when it comes to the technical side of the game, I think it's it's the the want to or it's the daily it's the it's how you prepare daily i think i think it's used that the the, one of the big separators is is preparation i think it's attention to and perfecting of the smallest details um i think that you know winning programs and loading programs i think one thing that's huge is consistency i think that you know being consistent on your approach um, to how you go about playing the game, how you go about preparing for the game, and how you go about living on and off the field. I mean, what these kids do at home, you can't stay out till 2 o'clock at night and do what average people do and make average choices and expect to be a champion. Absolutely. Does that? Um, yes, it does. But, you know, average choices and average actions equal average results. And so I think I think it's it's attention to detail, how you go about preparing. Um, it's it's how you use your time. We all have eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in a day, and we all have the ability to choose how we invest that time. And you know, these kids have so many distractions these days, and so many things that can pull them away and slowly poison them um, to. Because the world wants everybody to be average, and so, you know, it's it's uh, it's so many things. But the biggest things to me would be um, a culture of love and and family and trust, and uh, um, how you go about paying attention to the details that the game demands from us, and um, you know, just just the daily preparation. It's kind of like what goes back to what Kaner always says: how you do anything is how we do everything, right? Man, he says that. You know, I look at my truck and my truck's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I hear him say that all the time. Another way to say it is you're either coasting it or letting it happen. Yeah. You, know, it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's. I think, consistency over intensity. I mean, another one of Kane's sayings is if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you got to take other people with you. Absolutely, yeah. man. I, You know, I know you know Coach Sheets and – you know, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of him, and just pretty much anything that he, he he speaks on is just gold to me. But I really think that's probably the one thing that 
from an outsider looking in and just knowing what I know about him and the things that he speaks on, what's made Georgia Gwinnett so successful is what you're talking, exactly what you're talking about. And what's obviously made Corsicana successful is just, you love your guys. You 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 love your guys and they know that you, they, they know that you love them. And, and in turn, they will just, you know, they basically fall on the sword for you, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I think, with these kids, I mean, I've noticed a difference in the last five years. I mean, you know, trust is, uh, trust goes both ways being, you know, being a transformational coach, um, versus a transactional coach transformation happens. It's a two-sided relationship and there has to be love from, from both sides. And, and it's just like life, but really truthfully, when you look at it and what you're saying is so powerful that the foundation of anything good, any type of success is love, is love. You're you're absolutely right, man. I can't, I would just kind of at a loss of words because you're just taking these words right out of my mouth. And I just, I, I want to ask, and I don't want want this to come out wrong because we, for our listeners, how do you, because you're, you're, you're in that high school round. You've got, kind of you're at that where these they're teenagers and so you're dealing with egos attitudes how do you break that barrier well i think there's a fine line because you know you don't want to take away their personality um you don't want to break their spirit um there's a competitive spirit in all of us and you know we all express it in different ways and uh it's just making it about something else bigger than them. And when you can, and I've always, I learned this from Skip. You know, we talked about Skip earlier. But yes, Skip, has, Skip has a gift of bringing a group of guys together and getting them to play hard for a common cause. And that, and he learned that from Coach Ogletree. And I've learned that from both of them. And, and it, the key to it is, is you don't really want to take all that away from them. Um, but you want to get them to play the game for a different reason. And you want them to come together and play for, a, for a, a greater cause. And I'm not coaching to win games. Uh, when I first started coaching in my career, I wanted to build a name for myself. It was all about me. And it's the same thing as a player. I mean, to get in the lineup, it's about you. You know, you, you have to put up numbers or you have to hit or you have to perform or your coach is else in there. But once you get to that point where, hey, if we come together and we use all of our strengths, we put them together, they're going to outweigh the number of weaknesses we have. And I think when we play teams that are very talented, um, that have more – we have four – players on our roster right now on our varsity roster it's very small for a five day we're i'd say a normal roster size between 18 and 24 um you know you kind of play with an edge you kind of play uh with a different outlook and you play with a different sense of urgency um and you know i guess the answer to your question is is to come together for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever the season is and 
put all of our egos aside, put all of our, what I call OFPs on freaking plans aside, put your OFPs away and let's all get on the same page and let's see what happens at the end of it. And no, and one way that I explain this to guys, uh, Hunter Melton, one of my former players sent me a text the other day and it reminded me of it is no, you know, no one, 20 years from now, no one's going to remember your batting average or your on base percentage or how many strikeouts you had. They're going to remember what kind of teammate you were. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful, and I think that that pretty much sums it all up. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got younger guys, and I try to explain that to them. Mm-hmm. Even my eight, nine, ten-year-olds, like I try to explain that to them. That that's... And, and you're in a tough spot too, because and again, maybe I'm just maybe I'm I'm way off base here, but it just seems like over the years, people. The, I don't know if it's the select. I don't know what it is, but it seems like baseball's turned into this individual sport. And under, <laughs> understand that, yes, you you do like you said, you have to put up the numbers to get in the lineup. But um, you know, you also have to be a teammate. And the ones that can pull together are the ones that can make a run, and the ones that don't um, typically don't. And you, of course, can. It's not like you have, you know. I'm sure you've rolled through your, you know your occasional D1s, but it's not like you're sitting there with four or five of them every single year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, we have, we've had, uh, this is my 11th season. We've had 20, uh, well, actually 29 players sign uh, in 11 years. And we've had four or five guys go division one, not many. Um, but. And some of the teams right. you play may have four or five every year. <laughs> right. No, you're right. And, and, you know, but that's not always a blessing. Correct. I mean, because, if, you know, if you're a me, me, I, I guy and, and which, you know, I think what you're saying, uh, a lot of high school coaches and a lot of people in, that are lifelong baseball guys like myself, we like to blame select baseball for, for a lot of the change that's going on. But, but to me, there's still a lot of great coaches out there in select baseball oh, that no don't, doubt. don't tolerate it. But, but there, you're, you know, and it's kind of a 50-50 question. Yes, they're right in a lot of ways. Like, I'm not afraid when when I coach in the summer. I'm not afraid in in a split second to write a check and give somebody their money back and tell them to go find somewhere else to play. Because <laughs> if they want it to be about them or hitting three hole with my son, I, I can't tell you how many times I've called a kid to come play on a team for me, and their dad tell me that they that they need to play shortstop and hit leadoff. And I just say, hey, I appreciate your time. I need to play somewhere else. Yeah. You know I mean, that, that's not what it's about. But, but you know, to get back to what you were saying, it, it's 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 not really a tough spot. It's it's the people that can adapt, mm-hmm. and it's coaches that can adapt the quickest. And and truthfully, uh, if the truth be known, that's what gives us a chance at Course of Canada win, because we are built different. We think different. We want close games. No one cares who gets the credit. We don't, we know at, at first you get some guys in here and they want the credit. They want their name in the newspaper. They want, you know, all the things that, that the society tells you that makes you successful. But I can promise you one thing. There won't be one player at course. I can't post how many home runs he hit in the game or how many strikeouts he had because that my players won't do that. And you know what? I, I have brought that up and I have asked them not to do it, but I, I don't remember in the last and however long I've been here, 11 years of a player posting anything about themselves. And so that, that's what means a lot to me. And it, it's probably gone as far as like you not having to ask them to not do that. 
they just know because the culture is set in place. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how many strikeouts you have. I mean, I, I have a, I have, I mean, I have a pitcher right now, uh, Zane Petty, who is leading the state of Texas in strikeouts. He's got 96 strikeouts in 50 innings. He doesn't talk about that because you know what? It's all about when you leave that locker room that day. Did we did we play well? Uh, what do we what do we do well? What what can we do better? And how are we going to do it tomorrow in practice? And and I can tell you that 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 that's one of the things that makes me most proud to be my guy's coach. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I follow you on Twitter. Um, I noticed some of the some of your post is some of your players, you know, with their teachers. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of go go uh, explain some of that to us. I I, I read it, but I want to hear it from you, so our listeners well, can hear it and what that's about. Well, one of the pillars well, we establish we we establish principles every year and and one I let the players do it it's player led not coach fed um, I help them but you know kids these days they have a term called I want to be a dog or be a dog and so DWAG discipline accountability work ethic grit and gratitude so what your question is is about gratitude and so November is our month of gratitude and I think that gratitude is one of the missing links in education in general, starting from the parents all the way down to the players and the kids. And, and you know, how many people truly look people in the eye and say thank you anymore? Not many. No, and absolutely. We, in, 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 in an effort to fight being average and, and be different, um, we spend the whole month of November as our month of gratitude because of Thanksgiving. And so we post a video thanking somebody that's made a positive influence in our life and a 30 second clip. And then we also write a letter, a handwritten letter, which you'd be amazed at how many kids don't know how to fill out an envelope these days. <laughs> we write a, even a valedictorian, by the way, um, we, we send out, we send out a, a grad, a letter of gratitude to someone of, of influence in our life, uh, whether it be a preacher or a friend or your mom or dad or a coach or, or whoever it it may be, um, so we send out letters. We do vi- <clears throat> we do videos. Um, we do everything we can to teach our guys how to express gratitude. And you know, I think I think a lot of these kids are thankful and they are grateful, but they don't know how to express it because we're in the world of Snapchat and Twitter and social media, and and so we just do those little things to express um, what's important to us and to let people know that uh, we're grateful for the influence they've made on our lives. That's fantastic, man. That, you know, is, and I'm sorry, you've used the hero highlight hardship. Have y'all done that? No, we haven't. Oh, okay. We haven't. Uh, You know, you had said something in a text about that the other day. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, Uh, um, we, we don't really, you know, we, we, we start, we, there's a whole system to how, you know, I started with Kane when he only had one program called the pride program it was 18 lessons. They were 30 minutes long. And then I taught that for golly, man, 10 years. Yes, and sir. Uh, I broke it down to one lesson a day for 18 straight days, two lessons for nine days. I broke it down to, I mean, I've taught everything he has uh, in every way possible to figure out, experiment and figure out, how I could best use our time because uh, the UIL has so many rules on 
you know, uh, how many hours you can be with the kids. And then the off season, you can only have them during the class period. Well, after COVID, they gave us an hour before school for strength and conditioning. Um, so that opened up some things to allow us to have more time in the classroom instead of lifting. Um, I was, I was lift- about to ask you if y'all did a, y'all did a classroom session. Yeah, we do classroom sessions every single day. And awesome. now shared with, I just shared a, our process. Um, you know, we spend, so they get out of class at three Oh two. They're, they're sitting down in the classroom around three Oh seven. And we will talk for roughly five to, to eight minutes every single day. And, but it's player led. And so my players, I sign them a day and they get up and they talk. And so not only are we teaching them to, to, to take ownership in the program, but we're teaching them how to speak in front of people, how to be prepared, how to, how to plan ahead. Um, but it's player led. And then I'll come in with my message for two or three minutes on whatever I feel is relevant that day. Usually I'll, I'll come with a, with a, with a Kane's message off his podcast or out of, um, out of you know one of his books or out of one of our lessons whatever is relevant for that day but our kids go through um they call dr rob gilbert's success hotline every day and whoever's given the message they'll they'll give them that they'll they'll say what they got out of the success hotline then uh, they have a word of the week which could be whatever focus or whatever and then they say well this is my word of the week and this is why and then one of the another coaching cliche in in 2021 22 is you know one percent better one percent better well one percent of each day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds and so we 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 have our players tell us what their their one percent intention is for that week and then the last part of it is they break down their most important task which is uh, their mits and we start with school and then we go to life and then we finish with baseball so they might say study for an English test or they might say my MITs this week is to clean my room, to help around the house. Well, one of the common answers I've been getting lately, which is pretty cool, is is to do my chores around the house without my parents having to ask me. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And because uh, I, I live with five teenagers and I can tell you right <laughs> The trash can is overflowing all the time. And I'm like, dude, how much more trash can you put in there before you take it out? (laughs) And so, you know, but we're teaching life lessons. But at the same time, uh, we're teaching the mental skills that it's going to take to be successful as a young man, as a father, as a husband moving forward in life. Man, that's you're definitely definitely doing it different there. And I'm, I'm sure there's other people that, you know, have some things like that in place, but I definitely, I've, you know, I've followed you on Twitter and things like that. And you, you do some fantastic things there at Corsican and it's obviously paid dividends, you know, not only, you know, on the baseball field, but you know, most importantly, these, these young men's lives. Um, it, it, it has. And, 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 you know, it's, it's all about how you choose to invest your time. So, you know, the co- most common excuse when I talk to coaches or other people is that, man, I'd love to do that. We just don't have time. You know, uh, if you have a big enough reason why, you're going to find a way out. Absolutely. And yeah. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna invest your time, and, and we choose to do that. And uh, I can't tell you how many messages I've got from former players about how that's helped them, and, the, and that's really what it's all about. So you said you've been with Kane since 2009, so that's – I'm trying to do some math in my head, and I'm not good, so – 
I'm going to try not to do it on the microphone. That would be 13 years. Okay. So you, you've been calling Success Hotline for 13 years? Uh, I didn't start Success Hotline until about 2011. Okay. Uh, I call it five days a week. And Do you still call the number or do you listen to the podcast? Well, recently I've switched over to the podcast okay. about January. I have a, I have a, one thing we teach our players is, is we, we, uh, we have a daily process. We have AM routines. We have, uh, PM routines, um, my AM routine. Um, I have a, I journal every morning. I'm a, I'm a learner. And, I was going to ask you about journaling. My, my AM routine is, uh, with my journal is I, I do my daily Bible out first while I'm making my coffee and I'll write my notes and then uh, I listen to Success Hotline podcast, and then I listen to Kane's message, and then I write down three gratitudes every day, three things I'm thankful for, and then I write down my three MITs myself. My what what are my three most important tasks for the day? And I can tell you, after doing it for a couple of years, um, when I don't hit that in the morning, if something happens, I don't I don't I, I sleep too late, or you know, an average side of me kicks in. My the rest of my day is ruined. Absolutely, no. It, it throws me off because that when sometimes that podcast doesn't load. Yeah, and now I'm, I'm all into this new app called Optimize with Brian Johnson, and and uh, he has a new app. He has he has a bunch of new stuff going on, but basically it's all the the great books from over the years over any topic when it comes to to basically life. And uh, so now I'm, I've added that to my routine, and. Uh, so, you know, and, and it's, it's, we, m- with my team, I use an app called Habit Share. And we start every fall, the first day of school, three habits make your bed, brush your teeth, wear your seatbelt. And so when we do those three things, those kids are, when they wake up in the morning, make their bed and brush their teeth, they're getting two wins right off the bat. Yep. And then about every two weeks, we add, we add something in there. And, uh, I let them add their own, but on this habit share app, when they click on it, when they, when they achieve their habit, it sends you, a, sends me as the coach a message. Well, that's and cool. so like, I know when my players are doing things and when they're not, it tells me the last time they checked into the app. Um, but it also gives you the capability of, of leaving a note. So say you, say you were on my team and you made your bed. And when, when you made your bed and pushed the button, it sends me a message saying Zane just made his bed and I can get on there and go, Hey dude, I'm proud of you. Keep grinding. You know, man, and so fantastic, man. another way of us connecting with our players through technology and encouraging them daily to do things they don't feel like doing, to act different than how they feel, to not be average. And so that's just another way that, that we communicate and we try to get across uh, the ultimate goal of what we want to, to, to do as a coach, which is help them be the best version of themselves that they could be that day. And that's awesome. And, you know, it, you know, my my AM routine sounds a lot like yours, and because we've gone through the same, you know, cane process. Um, you know, I, you know, listen to I get in my I get up, I go to the gym, I listen to Success Hotline on the way to the gym. I come back home, and you know, I write down, you know, what I got from the message, and I listen to Kane's, and write down, you know, what I learned from his, and kind of the thoughts on that, and then my three gratitudes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm like you. If I if that gets thrown off, my day's thrown off, and I'm I'm trying to implement that in my kids' lives. You know, that get up, make your bed, brush your teeth. You've done two things. 
you know, already start you just start your day. And Absolutely. it's hard with an eight and a five year old, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it, man. <laughs> it's not for lack of trying. I'll tell you, <laughs> man, you know, we all, that's what I, I also talk to my guys about a lot is that, is that it's okay, man. We all battle that urge to, to, to be average, to sleep in, to hit snooze, um, to, you know, to hate procrastinate, put things off. And we still do it. You know, I still do it on a daily basis. And when I do, the difference is, is that I'm aware of it. Yes. And, and you know, like, God dang it, am I giving in really, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm so lucky, you know, being a coach in the middle of the season to have such a wonderful wife that, that takes care of things. And, and, but, but I, I, when I don't help out or if I don't, I get up really early in the morning and that's when I get most of my stuff done. Um, if I'm not washing clothes or putting dishes up or something that just so I know I'm doing some kind doing something to help, you know, it makes me feel guilty. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's hard, you know, you get home from a game and you're, you're tired, but when you get up and you hit those, you, you know, you hit those goals and you, you get that journal in and you, 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 you knock out some dishes or, you know, you, you fold some clothes or put some clothes in the washer, you know, that you're, you know, you're pulling on, you're pulling on that rope and you're, you're helping out and, and it just, it just makes you feel better as a, as a, as a father and as a husband and as a man. Yeah. Uh, we good on time. You good for time right now? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. Man, I, I just I want to go through. I want to take a couple steps back, and I kind of want you to walk us through maybe that uh, that state championship game. Just kind of just your. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like we would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about that a little bit and just uh, <laughs> that 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 moment. Um, in that championship game that were you well, it, was, it was state it was state semifinals we got we got beat two to one by collieville who had bobby witt jr who's you know he's pretty decent <laughs> yeah he's turned out okay they're average they average 11 runs a game you know and we, we made an incredible run through the playoffs you know uh we have a very tough district and and we finished second behind cleveland and uh I think that that really prepared us for the playoffs. That was kind of the first thing. But, you know, people always ask me, you know, what was the most gratifying thing out of that play? You know, what what's the thing that stands out most? And the thing that stood out most to me, I mean, it was like obvious to me, like just jumped out at me, was how each player on our team responded to adversity. It was like nothing. It Nothing could faze them. And Coach Greedo used to always say when you go into when you go into Omaha and when you're making those runs that it 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 actually feels like it becomes a spiritual moment at, at at some point, and that's exactly what that felt like. Like it was there was no worries. The kids were playing with freedom. We're playing in front of big crowds. We're playing schools that have twice the number of kids that we have. Um, you're you know you're playing in different venues. Uh, there's so many variables that are thrown at you. But, you know, we, we started off, we, we, you know, what's ironic is, is uh, Lindell, who was, who was uh, a district adversary before we switched districts, was out there by Tyler. Um, they flipped us for one game, and they won the flip uh, in the area round, which is the second round. And, and I said, well, all right, well, if you're going to flip us for one game and win, I said, well, heck, I'll just flip you for home and home. I'll either come to your place or you come to mine. Well, we flipped there, and I won. So, 
they came to Corsicana for a one game in the second round of the playoffs, and we're losing seven to two in the bottom of the fifth. Oh man! And we came back and won that game, and pretty much from there, the 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 rest of it was kind of history. You know, we just started winning, and we're playing well and responding to adversity. I only had three pitchers; I had two starters and a reliever, and so you know we pieced it together. Had a freshman pitching in there, and who's a senior now. He's the only starter left off that team. And uh, he's going to Texas State to play baseball. But, I mean, we had to mix in some things. And a lot of things had to happen for it to all work out that way. But we ended up playing uh, Colleyville Heritage in the state semifinals down in Austin and around Rock. And, uh, you know, that they had, I think, eight Division One signees. And they had Bob DeWitt, who was the second overall pick, as you know. And, and uh Man, we played a great game, and Bobby scored both runs. Uh, he he got on by an error. So, well, he was so fast. I mean, he's one of the fastest kids I've ever seen on the field. And, uh, you know, he made it happen. They beat us, and they went on the 10-run rule Georgetown State Championship. I mean, we were right there. We had runners in second and third. And, and really what's cr- kind of ironic is they had Mason Greer on that team, which is Rusty Greer's son, mm-hmm. and he made – four or five plays at third base that day. He's really, truly the reason why I think they won was that he made some incredible plays with runners in scoring position and uh, and basically saved the game for him. But we, we had our opportunities. Uh, it was an experience I'll never forget. And uh, it's something that you strive to get back to. Um, but, you know, in high school athletics, I mean, those opportunities don't, you know, the, obviously that's your goal, um, one of your one of your goals but uh it don't always happen that way you know we went to regional you know COVID hit 2020 last year we made it to the regional semifinals we got beat by by frisco wakeland team that was really good that was loaded um but you know i'm so proud of, of of all my current players and former players just for 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 you know, putting us in those positions and, and like the year we're having this year where, you know, we're off to a good start, but you never know, you know, we won two, two to one games this past week. And this week we have our district rivals in us over here. That's really close to us. And they're really good. They were picked to win the district. Um, and so they, we were picked fourth in district this year and we're seven and one, like I said, we're, we're, we're leading district uh, right now. Um, but, uh, you know, we still have four games left. So, um, you know, but, you know, the overall, that 2019 year, the, the, the most, you know, that was not the most talented team we've had, no, but we had we had a bunch of gritty guys that that just wanted to win and were selfless that uh, came to practice every day and, 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 and just, just dominated the details and, and worked their tails off. And we had families and parents that were supportive and, and the whole community got on board. It was just a really cool, unique experience, and and hopefully one day get to do that again. No, that's amazing. Um, you know, not to diminish what you accomplished, you know, in that game, but you know, being a you know lifelong baseball man, what uh, what stood out the most, and like obviously Bobby Witt Jr. Like, what what would what would you take away from like watching somebody? Like Bobby Witt Jr., like Mason Greer, like what? What was the intangible? Obviously, has all of them, but like, what was the I mean, main thing that stood out their, to you? Their, their body language, their presence. I mean, if it, if it was all summed into one word, it's it's the their their presence that they have when they 
when they go about their business, the, the, the sense of confidence and, the, and you know that they're prepared, you know that they've prepared their whole life. And, and, you know, to watch, to watch Witt Jr. play, it's, I mean, the, the instincts that, that were there are non-coachable. Um, uh, to watch Mason's, Mason Greer, he's just like his dad. He's full of grit. He has a competitive spirit and, and real respectful and just playing the game the right way with the right passion. And it's not, it wasn't about Bobby Witt Jr. It wasn't about Mason Greer. Uh, I know Alan McDougal really well, their head coach. And, and even him, he's like, he gives all the credit to those guys, but that team was just loaded and talented. And, and, you know, like Kane says all the time, the best team to win is the team that plays the best. Yes, and, you got, and my guys that I don't, I'm not a big pregame speech guy. I'm not a, I'm not a big rah-rah guy, but that's a statement I make before every game. And that's truly what gives us the best chance. That's what gives us hope is that, hey, they have all those college dudes. They got Witt Jr. We just need to outplay them for two hours. Let's, <laughs> let's go out and play pitch to pitch, and let's play together, and let's play with enthusiasm and energy, and let's play with a sense of focus and intent for two hours, and let's see what happens. Yeah, and absolutely. man, we have opportunities, but, you know, that it just didn't work out that game, but – but we walked off that field, you know, and I got to I got to go hug my wife and, and kids. And I knew 100 percent that we did everything we possibly could do. And there was zero regret uh, walking out of that uh, step round rock. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I, you know, I've watched. I saw that on your, your Facebook and your your Twitter. And I just man, that that moment looked just absolutely incredible and very surreal. And I'm so I'm so glad that you got to be a part of that. And, you know for those boys just what an amazing moment that is for them and then just also too like like to, to say that you played against bobby witt jr is pretty cool too <laughs> like to- yeah well, i mean i you know i've been blessed i mean i've won some perfect games some big stuff and i coached in the first ever perfect game tournament in atlanta there was eight teams and when i was with the dallas tigers we were one of eight and like i've won a lot of big events in the summer i've been blessed uh to coach some phenomenal players several big leaguers and won the texas collegiate league um with with uh, brandon belt and paul goldschmidt on that team and you know I've, I've won a lot of things i've been i've been so god's blessed me in so many ways to, to win a lot of those big events but when it comes down to it that you know taking a bunch of average dudes that we're just hard workers from Corsicana, Texas, and going and beating Frisco Lone Star and beating Midlothian and beating Joshua and beating, you know, all those teams we played on that playoff run that had so much talent. That's one of the most rewarding things in my career, if not the most rewarding. Now, I, I could have this totally wrong, but I, I've met you on several different occasions and I think one of the times we were on a dove hunt somewhere. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and Yeah, that sounds about right. And you told me about a team that you coach, and I, I could be totally wrong. I could have just made this up, but I don't think I did. <laughs> um, your pitching staff was Clayton Kershaw, Corey Kluber, I want to say Giovanni Gallardo. Yeah. yeah. And you somebody else. Is this? Am I off here? No, you're absolutely right. Okay, I mean, we went we went down to um, the Worldwood Bat in October. Okay, 
And we had Kershaw was a young younger kid. I believe he was a freshman or a sophomore. He probably held his own all right. <laughs> we had Corey. We had Corey Kluber, who was a junior. We had Evan Gaddis on that team, who was a junior. We had uh, Giovanni Gallardo, who actually played for another team that just went to the tournament with us. Um, and uh, I mean, we 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 had a good team. Roger Kishnick was on that team. I mean, there's. I don't know how many big leaguers were on that team, but uh, there were several. And uh, what a great experience that was, you know. To I mean, to to coach that caliber of players, and and we made it to the championship game. Actually, out of all those arms, we had a kid from Coppell named Keith Markham, who was our number one pitcher out of all those arms, believe it or not. And I had him saved for the championship. And in the second inning, we we scored three in the first, and in the second inning. He goes out on the second warm-up pitch and blows his UCL. Has, oh, has time. no. Yeah, and so we end up having to throw position players, and we end up losing 9-5. to five. I'll never forget that because not many Texas teams have played in that championship game. Man. Mm-hmm. That's a – Yeah. It's quite it a, a roster. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a, a roster. <laughs> My gosh. Who was it? Was it Gilly on here talking about Evan Gaddis? Mm-hmm. Just how when he took BP, it was just different. You just yeah. knew <laughs> – uh, man, what a great kid. I mean, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he had, I mean, God was in his hands, man. I mean, his hands are so big and strong and <laughs> you know, he realized, you know, he played shortstop he played third base. He played the outfield. He played all multiple positions. I mean, he was a, he's a baseball playing fool, man. And he's That's just awesome. so strong. And, you know, and it, obviously we played a lot of wood bat tournaments and, and he was still able to, to do damage, you know, when he was a younger player and, and, uh, you know, I was so proud of him to, to, to see how his story, his story, uh, inspired so many people in this world and how his journey through baseball. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the, of the coolest stories that, that I've, that I've been, been acquainted with, uh, uh, in my career in baseball. And I'm so proud of Evan and, and proud of, proud of his family and, and, and man, what a great kid he is. No, that's. I you know Gilly was on here talking about him and he pretty much said the same thing about him, just you know, his work ethic, work ethic was second to none and just just a great great person. No doubt, man. No doubt. Well, and when you get kids like that, I know they were. A, well, I know you said Kershaw was like a freshman, but like at that point, you just you just know they're different the way they handle things, go at their business, huh? Well, you know. You, you know they have the talent. It's just, you know, all the intangibles that comes with what baseball demands of us. I mean, you know, Corey, Corey Kluber had a – he had that breaking ball when he was younger. You know, he just he, – he was real hard on himself. He, he had, You know, he had to learn to, to command the breaking ball, to command his fastball on both sides of the plate. And, and he was so talented. He could go out and throw a perfect game or he could go out and get chased in the second or third when he was younger, you know, and – and uh, but I think he really um, he really learned himself and who he was and his ability uh, when he went to Stetson and pitched. And, and that's where it kind of came out in college. But I mean, I don't take any credit for it. Corey played right field some. Uh, he could swing it a little bit. Uh, Verhagen was on that team, too. Drew Verhagen, he played first base. And I forgot about him a while ago. But, uh, you know, there's so many talented kids on that team. But I think uh, 
when it, when it comes down to it, it's what's inside of them. It wasn't necessarily all their physical tools. I think once Corey figured out who he was and, and his ability, I think that's just, that's when everything took off. And I, I haven't talked to Corey in a couple of years, uh, but I'm pretty sure that he would probably agree with me. That's, you know, one thing that comes up, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and I've brought it up on here several times and the, you know, that that's what they you say, you know, it's not the talent, but you know, it's what's inside of them. And, you know, that's what, what most of these podcasts kind of the, this, the sentiment that they're trying to get across is that these guys that, you know, live and die in the minors and some of these people that you've never heard of, it's not because they're not talented enough to make it to the big leagues. It's just, no, the, you're, go you're ahead. 100, you're 100% correct. I mean, the higher, the, the higher you go in baseball, the higher, you know, whether it's in high school and the further you go in the playoffs, the talent level all equals out. And it's all about, you know, uh, it's about self-awareness. It's about uh, work ethic. It's about grit. It's about passion. It's about perseverance. It's about all those intangibles that, that I was talking about earlier. My advice to, to dads and, and fathers that are in this game or in any game is to celebrate those things. And that's going to help their kids in the long run, have a better chance of success. That, that we, that's part of the, you know, the reason we wanted to start this, this podcast is, you know, try to get that message across that, that, that this is so much bigger than baseball. Yeah. Cause I see it all the time with younger, like whether it's through lessons or whether it's coaching youth sports, it's, it's all about the wins or the losses to a lot of people. And I'm just like, guys, this. you don't, you don't get it. Like if we, teach them the game and we teach them to do things the right way those will come more frequent and the L's less but like I, I had to tell a kid this weekend it's a 9U baseball tournament I'm like look we took a hard loss on the on Saturday and and the kids are kind of down because we had a lead and, and gave up two in the last game I'm like guys if you play this game much longer that's going to happen a ton like <laughs> that's just part of it right I mean I tell this to them all the time. I kind of have this spiel that I give them, even though they're nine. Like, I never will ask you for a win. I just ask you to compete and give yourself a chance. And before Absolutely. and before the game, I always tell them this: like, what you did previously is no longer good enough. Now you have to give me the best version of you, and that changes every time you step out here. The best version of you always changes. In an hour and a half, we'll see where we're at. Like that's that's it. That's all I care about. Just go compete. Go play, um, you know, and where the chips fall, they will. And and if it's on our side, great, we'll strap it up again. If not, we'll go back to work and do it again later, you know. And that's just kind of how I go about it. And um, that's kind of how I go about it with all my kids. It's like, you know, some days is your day, some day it's not. Um, just control what you can control. Like I know my 13-year-old son – he plays on a Doolin's Dodgers team, and Tim Doolin's coaches the team, and that's he <laughs> preaches he preaches to them all the time, like drop third strike, roll over to second base. This is your time to show how fast you are. You better bust it. Like you can control that. Fly balls in the outfield, you know, fly balls over short coming in in the outfield. Like you have a chance to show and control what you can control. Show that off. Like it's Absolutely. not it's not all about oh I'm just banging four balls off the wall like. Great. As you get older, there's a lot of kids that can do that. Like control what you can control. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, a lot of what you said, I mean, obviously is all 100% true. I think understanding that the best version of you some days might be 80%. 
Maybe your maybe your arm does hurt a little bit. Maybe you have a headache. Maybe you have a cold. But okay, so give me a hundred percent of that eighty percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, I, I, as a player, I remember having some of my best days when I was injured, when I didn't feel good, and that's because once you're, you know, if you let your your feelings dictate your actions, then you're only going to play good when you feel good. But if you let your actions dictate your feelings. You know, once you start playing, you're not hurting quite as bad. You get focused on the game, and, you know, you you have a good game. Just help your team win, yeah. you know, and they control the controllables. Um, you know, the you know the, the whole thing about these kids these days is, is uh, they, you know, they, they only play good when they feel good, you know. Right. And once you get that, that's when they start being the best version of themselves. I've always heard the story of the the Kerry Wood twenty strikeout game, and how like he said like in the bullpen how he his how awful he felt and how awful he was throwing in the bullpen that day, and then rolls out there and strikes out twenty. Well, that's a perfect example of of uh, you know his actions dictate his feelings. Yes, sir. Well, he, no doubt about it. Man, we want to be respectful of your time, and we've we've ran we've ran here quite a bit. Um, you know, one thing I kind of I stole this from from JG, but I don't think he's listening, so I don't think he'll mind. Like, what are some uh, some books and uh, that you would recommend? Some books that you're that you've read that you would recommend? I was hoping you was going to ask something like that. I mean, I'm going to tell you the the best book that anybody could possibly read, in my opinion, is uh, Golf Sacred Journey by David Cook, and it's a it's a phenomenal book that changed my life. I I still read it all the time. Second book would be, The Traveler's Gift. Okay, uh, that one's come up before. Yeah, Traveler's Gift, and then uh, for any of the baseball guys, you know, the mental game of baseball, the ABCs of pitching, the mental game, the mental Harvey Dorfman. Yeah, all Harvey Dorfman and and uh, uh, Ken Revisa, you know, heads up baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that first one again? I'm sorry. Golf sacred, golf's sacred journey. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm writing it down here. No, if you haven't, if y'all, if you guys aren't on the Optimize app, you need to download it and get going because uh, most recently, um, I read uh, Angela Duck, Angela Duckworth uh, is a leading expert in the world on grit, and mm-hmm. she has a book. Grit is a phenomenal book. Yes, sir, I I do know that one. And then um, Trevor. Trevor Moad, it takes what it takes. I mean, I can sit here and name. I love that books. one too. <laughs> Actually, I listened to that one on audiobook when I was cleaning out a flower bed one day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. What, uh, you know, obviously besides, uh, you know, Kane stuff, you know, which people can find, um, what uh, kind of podcast, what podcast are you listening to? Uh, you know, podcast wise, um, I, I, it's kind of funny. I listened to a, a preacher um, out of Dallas named T.D. Jakes. Okay. I listened to all of his messages. He has some phenomenal messages. Skip and I share them back and forth all the time. Um, uh, I listen to his podcast uh, pretty religiously. Well, daily. Uh, listen to, obviously, Success Hotline, Kane stuff. Um, uh, I listen to the Hard 90 podcast. Um, That's a good one. And you know, I, I, there's so many, so many things that you can get nuggets from. Uh, but lately, you know, I, I hit those podcasts on the way to work in the morning, 
with my son and taking him to school. Uh, but lately, I've been hitting that Optimize app like really, really religiously and hard and trying to get one book in a day. Yeah, that's so. – yeah, I, I, I got off that one for a little bit, but I know I definitely need to get back on it. When we talked about that. I do the uh, – you talk about the, the daily app. What is the one I – the one that I use is called Way of Life. Yeah, I, I, we used to use the Way of Life app before I hit the habit share. So I, we used Way of Life for a couple of years. Yeah. I do like Great that. App. I like the idea behind that habit share. I'm going to have to look into that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about habit share that's really cool is that you get instant feedback. You can keep up with every player on your team instantly. So uh, it's, 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 a, it's a really cool, uh, really cool app, man. Man, that's another book. Another book that, uh, that I recently read. It's called Driven. Um, it's it's you know, I, I read a lot of Navy SEAL stuff, um, and this this guy's named Douglas Brack. Uh, I think it's Brackman. Brackman. Okay. Um, it's a book um, basically about you know grit and, and toughness, and and uh, it's it's a it's a really good book. Uh, Make your bed by yep. I, you know, Make your bed's another great book. I'm trying to think. I'm discipline equals freedom jocko i love Jocko's stuff uh, he, he gives you a systematic approach a way to think uh john wooden a lot i've read a lot of well, i've read all of john wooden's books i have them i actually have the books in my office but you know those are just some of them uh, that you know I'm a, I'm a reader i like to constantly you know try to pick up nuggets something that's going to help me change the way i think about something how i'm going to plan the day or whatever it is so a uh, bunch of really good books. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing, man. Because, you know, I, I'm I'm the same way. Like that's that's my routine. I get up and go to the I get up and go to the gym and I listen to Success Hotline on the way to the gym, and then I pull up, you know, Coach Sheets podcast. You know, I will listen to that. I listen to, uh, you know, most of the, you know, any of the baseball ones. You know, ahead of the curve. I love his uh, Patrick Jones yeah. baseball. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Man, there's just there's so many. I get um, better man, better better ball player podcast. That one's really good. Um, well, I think the key the key to it is is just is is just once again you're fueling your mind and you're in and equipping your mind with things that are going to help you get through the day. They're going to help. Going to not only help you, but you're going to be able to help other people get through their day and and to change the way that they see that day and their perspective. And, and I, you know, those, I think that's just power, you know? And I think when, when, you know, when we're, when we're, you know, to, to whom, to whom much is given, much is required. When we have that knowledge, it's our obligation to pass it on. You know, when I was going through cancer, I felt sorry for myself and, and I wanted to get back on the baseball field, but I couldn't, I didn't have the energy. And my wife's like, well, look, do you, do you want to pass on your knowledge or do you not? You know, you can either feel sorry for yourself or you can get your butt up and you can go, you know, and she pushed me through those times. And, but we, we owe it to the game of baseball. The way I see it is the game of baseball has given me every single thing I have in my life. And I owe it to the game to pass on what I know and to help as many young players or coaches, anybody, you know, achieve what they want to achieve and, and to be, like we say, the best version of them that they can be. Yeah, that's, you know, going kind of touch on what you just said. One of the most powerful things that I've heard, and I was young 
when this happened, but when Clay Gold passed away, huh. you yeah. know, you know, one of the things that I, that he said, you know, he was going through his deals like, and don't feel sorry for me. He goes, mm. I've lived a life that only certain people dream of, mm. you know, well, I, I write number eight and CG on every lineup card. Oh man, that's awesome. I have since the day that he passed away. I, I visited him in the hospital a couple of days before. I still talk to Julie, his wife, all the time. And, and uh, my one of my close friends was one of his close friends. And we still, you know, we think about him often. And, uh, um, you know, that's he's that's who Clay was. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, I'm Shane Davenport um, is a big, you know, is my buddy, he's a good buddy of mine. But he was, you know, my instructor growing up, and that was about the time that he picked up with the Fort Worth Cats, and he wore number eight that season. You know, um, I, 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 I didn't know Clay personally, but I, I know I've t- talked to several people, including you, that he's you know impacted a lot of lives. And he just oh, lived man, it right, his man. Smile, his smile and his laugh and his energy, and he was way ahead of his time. Uh, I still, I mean, I still have some of his manuals in my office. I mean, he was way ahead of his time. He's, he's a genius, you know, he's a plan. He was a planner. Uh, he was a teacher. Um, he never left a a T uncrossed or undotted. And I learned a lot just by my short time visiting with him and, and watching him and, and talking with him about the game. And, and he definitely left a legacy that, uh, that we all can look up to. Absolutely. We're all just trying to, trying to sell out our funerals, you know, Absolutely. selling tickets to our funeral, just living it right. Absolutely. Heath, man, I I can't thank you enough. This has been absolutely fantastic. I certainly appreciate your time and just all the, the wisdom you've imparted on us and just taking the time to do this with us tonight, man. It certainly, it means a lot to us. Thank you. It's an honor just to, for you guys to even think about me and with all the names that you guys had on there already. And, and you know, um, it's just humbling. And, and man, I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and what y'all's mission is to, is to, to help other people, you know, understand the, the, the struggles that the game comes with, that, that comes with the game of baseball and, and the importance of teaching the mental side of the game and, and, and it's, like you said earlier, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about the journey. And so I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And if I can be of any help at any time, please feel free to call me. All right, Heath. Man, I hope you have a great night and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. We'll be, we'll be pulling for you. Right, thank you, buddy. We'll yes, see sir. you all soon. Thanks, Heath. Appreciate it.